It'd be so easy, wouldn't it, to look at passages like this in James and say something like, you need to work hard to fix the problem of your heart. What we should do really is look at this through a Jesus lens and say that, what you know what, you are broken. You never will fix the problems of your heart, but give it to Jesus and see what he can do with it. So if you've got a Bible with you there, if you've got access to a Bible on your phone or a tablet or anything like that, uh, have it close by. Uh, we're going to spend some time in it this morning. But uh, a very good morning and a warm welcome to you uh, to the message part of our church online thing. How, how do you describe it? What we're doing at the moment, the message part of church online. We've had worship in our homes, we're going to come together for the word, and then we're going to have a bit of friendship and fellowship time on Zoom after this. We want to be together, we want to see you, we want to be together physically, we, we do. Uh, our heart is to be together, you know, we're commanded not to forsake gathering together in the word, uh, and as soon as we can do safely, as soon as we can do, you know, uh, valuing each other as highly as we ought to do and, and taking each other's health into you know we will we, we're going to meet together as soon as we can but in the meantime the solution to this temporary problem is to do this church online we worship at home we come together for the word and then we hang out together uh, online and we're going to make the best of it until uh, things change so if you've got your bible there if you've got access to uh, god's word either printed or digital I would encourage you to uh, open it up right in the middle to the book of Psalms, a wonderful book of Hebrew poetry, uh, really adds a lot of color and, and depth to some of the big themes and ideas and narratives that we, uh, that we see in the, in, in, throughout the Bible. So if you've got your Bible there, open it up right in the middle to the book of Psalms, and we're going to read in its entirety, we're going to read every single verse of Psalm 117. Now, some of you maybe got really nervous then because Psalm 119 is about 150 verses. But no, we're going to read every single verse of Psalm 117, which says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. So that's Psalm 117, beginning to end. Uh, so let's just open with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that we can gather uh, in our homes, but together uh, online this morning. We thank you for the technology that allows us to do this, to be together socially and spiritually when we cannot be together physically, Lord. May we uh, respect the government's wishes for physical distancing, but Lord, may we never be comfortable being socially or spiritually distant from one another. And may we take every opportunity to gather together uh, during this time when we cannot do so physically. Uh, Lord, as, as we've worshipped at home this morning, singing about the condition of our heart and how you are so great and faithful and loving and able and willing to do something about that, Lord, we, uh, we pray now as we, as we look at your word, 
the truths of your word about the condition of our heart and the solution that you've provided. Lord, we pray that you would give us um, ears to hear and, and a heart to understand. Lord, would you help us to to apply this uh, to our own lives individually where, uh, where we're at, Lord. Would you send your Holy Spirit to minister to us individually, Lord, the truths of your word ministered to us individually, Lord, by the same Holy Spirit that inspired and illuminated the, the minds of the, the original writers, Lord. What a wonderful privilege it is for us to be indwelt by the same Spirit that inspired and illuminated those writers who wrote these texts. Uh, Lord, would you bring across our path uh, this morning as we gather online, those who need to hear this, uh, would you bring across our path those who are weary, heavy laden, burdened, Lord, uh, those who are feeling at the end of themselves, those who, have, uh, who, who need, Lord, to get their head above water and see uh, who is standing there ready to save, Lord. So we commit this time to you. Uh, we just pray again that you would give us uh, ears to really hear what's been said in your word and a heart to, to, uh, to really accept it, Lord. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you are watching us on Facebook, we would love you to help other people find this. Uh, so that's you on Facebook. We would love you to like it, be commenting on this throughout. And if you would consider sharing this or even starting a watch party with this, it's going to help God's word and the solution to the problem of the human heart get out there to as many people as possible. Uh, our guys on YouTube, feel free to copy paste the link to this video and paste it wherever you like when we're finished. Uh, so, last week then, Easter, we paused our study through James and uh, we, quite, quite rightly, we, uh, we, we commemorated Good Friday, and we celebrated Good Sunday, Easter Sunday, didn't we? Good Sunday. And uh, Good Friday, we talked about uh, victory through defeat. Easter Sunday, redemption through resurrection. And then now we're back to James. Uh, so, so far in this short but powerful book, we've talked about love, faith, uh, words, wisdom, and today we're going to talk about you, which you are going to love because nobody likes to talk about you more than you. I mean, is that not a universal truth? Who, if we're being really honest, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? So this morning, you're going to be pleased because we're talking about you. We're talking about the condition of your heart. And uh, we're going to see what kind of condition it's in and then what do we need to do with it. And we've said a couple of times through James that we can go the way of the world or we can go the way of the word. So we're talking about your heart. And uh, if you turn on the radio or fire up iTunes or wherever you get your music from, Spotify, whatever, there's going to be so many songs on there about your heart, aren't there? Now, if you are of a certain vintage, uh, you will remember a song by a group, sung by a lady uh, by the name of Roxette. If, if you need to be of a certain vintage or appreciate music from that vintage to know who I'm talking about now, uh, Roxette. And, uh, you know, she and they wanted us 
to think about your heart. And what did Roxette say about your heart? They said, she said, listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. And we just need to you know, pause and, and, and time out there. There is Roxette. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to go there, Roxette. And we're not going to listen to our heart. But, you know, good try. Uh, so the, the, the world of music, full of songs about listening to your heart. What about movies? If we were in church now, I'd ask for some hands to say, who loves to watch movies? And uh, if you're watching us live, if you're right now with us and you do like movies, then, then say so. Yes, put a, put a digital hand up. Uh, think movies. Think Lord of the Rings. Great movies. And... Uh, this thing, this idea of listening to your heart comes up again. So there's Gandalf, the wizard. You know, he's, he's kind of thinking aloud and he's like, hmm, I wonder if, uh, you know, I wonder if uh, Frodo the Hobbit, I wonder if Frodo's dead. And then along comes Aragorn, you know, the, the man king, kind of walks up uh, alongside uh, Marty, thank you for that digital hand, uh, walks up alongside him and says to Gandalf, you know, look, what does your heart tell you? And then there's a dramatic pause, and there's a close-up of Gandalf's face, and he's looking into the distance. And you know, maybe he's playing that Roxette song in his head. You know, listen to your, I'm not gonna sing it to you, listen to your heart, Gandalf. And then he very slowly turns back to camera and says, I think he's alive. So there's, it says Roxette telling us, listen to your heart. There's Gandalf listening to his heart. And, uh, you know, as luck would have it, comes to the right conclusion. So the world will tell you to listen to your heart. Listen to your heart, the world is going to tell you. What does the word say? The word says, don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't listen to your heart. The word says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The world says listen to your heart. The word says don't do it. It's desperately sick and it's deceitful. It's going to tell you what you want to hear. Your heart will tell you what you want to hear. And so often I hear people saying, you know, I just, I just feel like... And you know what? That's your heart. That's you feeling like you need to feel in order to justify what you want to do, isn't it? That's that your your will, your human fleshly fallen sinful will is driving the car, and your heart is just along for the ride. Oh, I, can't, I just I feel like I really should. No, don't <laughs> don't listen to your heart like Roxette. Don't. What does your heart tell you, like Aragon? The Bible, God's word says it's, it's sick and it's going to lie to you, so pay it no attention. Today, then we carry on in the book of James. So far, we've talked about love, faith, words, wisdom. Today, we're talking about you. We're talking about you and your heart. Everybody loves to talk about themselves, uh, so no doubt this is going to speak to you because it's about you. And we're going to see uh, the condition of our heart. What do we do about it? So we're in James chapter 4. Uh, it's probably about 80 or 90% through your Bibles, uh, if you're fairly new to uh, navigating your way through the Bible. And we're going to see, first we're going to read five verses. James chapter 4, verses 1 through to 5. And we're going to see that our heart produces problems for us. 
So if you've got a Bible there, if you've got access to a Bible on a phone or a device, James chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 to 5 and read it aloud with me. Fill your homes with audible scripture. So James chapter 4, 1 to 5, read it with me. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You cover and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore... Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? So your heart is going to make for you problems. Your heart is going to produce problems. James writes, look, what causes quarrels? What causes fights? It's, it comes from within you. It's your hearts and it's your desires, James writes. It's your pleasures. It's what you think and feel that comes just from inside you. James writes, your passions are at war within you. What you think and what you want and what you tell yourself you're feeling like is going to make problems for you. What is at war is what, what you want is at war with what God wants for you. James is talking about here the truth that there are loads of things in your life that want to be number one. They want to be that, that, that master passion of your life. They want to be number one in your life. They want to be your first thought when you wake up in the morning and they want to be your last thought before you go to bed on a night. And there are loads of things which on the surface are not bad things to have as the master passion. You would look at them and think, come on, that's a little bit harsh because these are not bad things. Things like your family, your children, providing for your family through having a reliable and steady income of a certain level so you can provide for your kids. Giving your children wonderful experiences through travel and educational opportunities. Your spouse. All of these things are not inherently bad bad but they shouldn't be number one in your life says James and says the word in general in verse 5 he says look scripture says and he's talking about it com complete the, the full counsel the general truths of scripture so the problem being uh, uh, presented to us here it comes from within it's from within you and it comes also within the church. He's writing to believers. He's writing to a group of believers. So what causes quarrels and fights among you? So if we, if we put that into now, it's, it's us. It's you and it's me and it's the living body of believers. It's our fellowship. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among the body of believers? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And then he gives a couple of very, very, very strong examples that cover the entire spectrum of quarrels and fights. And uh, look with me again in verse 2. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You cover and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And 
these are just examples that cover all kinds of problems, quarrels, and fights. And again, he's, he's throwing it back to something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talked about murder as being representative of the condition of your heart, where you will stop at nothing or nobody to get what you want. That's what he's talking about here. When he says, you desire and don't have, so you murder. You, you want something from within so badly that you don't care who or what is going to get in your way because it's not going to be there for long. That's the kind of warring with the world of, and, and the word passions that he's talking about. And sadly, he's writing to believers. He's writing about arguments here within groups of Christians. And I was reading about this this week, and it... Sadly, this is very, very true. And almost everybody that you come into contact with who seems to have a, a critical or a contentious attitude, you know, those people who, for whom, you know, it's never quite right. They've always got something to say, and it's not really to build you up and encourage you. People who've got this critical and contentious attitude will often claim that they're being prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this stuff. But James makes it really, really clear that no, that comes from, that comes from you. That comes from you. That is not the Spirit of God within you prompting you to go and kind of grate against people with what you're saying and what you're doing. He's making, he's making it really clear that that's not the Holy Spirit prompting you to go and call somebody out and, and have, I'll have a little tussle verbally with them. Because the Holy Spirit is one of non-contradiction, so he's never going to create arguments within groups of believers. He's never going to create arguments with people. And the Holy Spirit will never contradict the explicit teachings and inherent principles of the word he has already inspired others to write so there's always a touching point when people are claiming to be inspired by the spirit to just i've got to i've got to tell you this the holy spirit told me to tell you this if it doesn't let if it doesn't line up with the examples and principles and explicit commands found in the word then it's not the Spirit prompting them to do that. If it's creating quarrels and fights, it's not the Spirit prompting you to do that. So just think twice and check this. So that's one problem the heart, our hearts make. Wanting what we shouldn't, warring passions within us, individual, that then makes quarrels and fights within us, the collective. So that's one problem. Another problem that your heart produces is, is, is bad or no prayer. Uh, look with me again. James writes uh, at the end of verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. No prayer. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask and you don't have because you're asking wrongly. Why? Bad heart. Poor condition of heart, poor condition of prayers. James is teaching. You ask to have fleshly benefit Lord, please give me this new job so I can earn loads of money, buy a jet ski and live in a huge house on the water and drive an awesome car. Amen. No, 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 no. God's never going to provide uh, for your, so I read this week, hedonistic squandering. 
they are some big fancy words, are they not? God's never going to provide for your hedonistic squandering. Basically, God's going to never bless you with stuff just to benefit you and provide pleasure for you. Lord, please, 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 please send me that jet ski for me. That's no, no, that's an extreme example, but that's the principle that he's talking about. And he goes on to say, look, that if you're friends with the world and you're, you're absolutely in love with the world and, and everything it can, 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 can offer you, that puts you at odds with God. And then he says in verse 5, Scripture in general backs this up because uh, there's no absolute concrete reference to, to what he's saying here. So it's, it's, it's a principle that he's teaching. He says, look, uh, verse 5, Do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell within us? So basically what James is teaching here God wants to be number one in your life. Basically what James is saying is that the Holy Spirit will convict the Christian who's living in compromise. And that's what you do with your time, your talent, your treasure, your prayer, your praise, and with other people. The condition of your heart's going to make problems. It's going to produce problems in all of these areas and, and, and a load more. And he, James is basically teaching that, look, the Holy Spirit's going to call you out on that. You, you, he is jealous for you. He wants to be number one in your life. So your heart, your natural human, sinly, sin, sin, sinly, your natural human, sinful, fleshly self will inevitably, it is going to produce problems for you. It's going to cause you problems left to you know, run its own course. Problems within yourself within the collective of, of us, the church, and it's going to produce problems of prayer. Either none of it, not enough of it, or just, just bad, just bad prayers. And problems are bad, aren't they? <laughs> Nobody would disagree with that. Problems are bad. But problems, though, are opportunities for solutions. And we're in a season of life now, aren't we? Right now, we're in a season of life, we're in a period where solutions, new and creative and totally different to how we've ever done things before are presenting themselves day by day. Look at this. Look at what we're doing now. Church online. We worship in our homes. We come together for a live message. We head over to a different platform for a bit of friendship and fellowship. That's a solution. That's a temporary solution to a bad problem. So problems are bad. Solutions are good. The heart makes problems. What's the solution? Uh, read with me verse 6. All these problems, problems, problems. Verse 5, verse 6 comes in. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we've had five verses of the kinds of problems that your heart is going to produce in you. And then he says, but, very emphatic, but. The solution is there, but he gives more grace. And he's, James says, look, it says, and he's, it being scripture in general is referring back to verse 5. He says, scripture teaches us, we see from the full counsel of God's word, that God opposes the proud. Now, when he says, but, 
he gives more grace. That's very emphatic. It's, very, it's a very strong language. And here, God opposes the proud is a military thing. It means you know, to set yourself in opposition to. It's gonna, it means to, to, to go into battle against. So just pause and just think. Forgetting everything else, just for now. Do you want to be battled against by God? No, no. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be battled against by God. God opposes the proud. He actively fights against the, the, the proud. And pride is right up there as originally sin, isn't it? Wanting to be like God, wanting to understand like God, wanting to be as awesome as God. And God actively fights against that and actively opposes the proud. But we read he gives grace to the humble. So the solution to the problem of your heart then is grace, which is available to all. How is it available to all? Well, we talked about that over Easter, didn't we? Through victory, victory through defeat, then redemption through the resurrection. The same grace that changed the life of Paul from being a, a church-hunting sinner into Paul, the prolific church-planting, scripture-writing man of faith, that same grace is available to you today and, and now. That same grace that turned Paul from a Christian-hunting sinner into a prolific church-planting Scripture writing, man of faith, is available to you. And the solution to the natural condition of your heart is the grace of God, made freely available to you through the, through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And then there's the big list of, there's a big to-do list with the grace. You've got the grace, what do you do with it? And it wouldn't really be a passage from the book of James without a massive to-do list, would it? And we like action. We like action. We like to know what to do. Tell me, tell me what to do and I'll go and do it. You know, your heart, problem, solution, get humble, get grace, use grace. And this is not a magic formula. This is just, you know, getting humble is, is just more of a posture and an attitude that we put ourselves in in order to receive. You just think, if, you, if you've got your hands bound, tight, closed, you can't catch anything if somebody threw you something now you can't catch it with your hands like this uh, it's the same bigger picture with our attitude and, and, and our humbleness so problem heart solution grace now the to-do list it's a big one so we're going to read it together slowly verses 7 8 9 10 and i want you to see i want you to grab a pen or a highlighter or a crayon if you've got kids around something that makes a mark and I want you to see, as we, as we read this, we read it together, we'll read it aloud, we'll read it slowly. If you can highlight or underline all of the things to do in these three verses. I'm not going to tell you how many there are, but there's a lot. It's double digits for you to do. So grab a highlighter, grab a pen, grab a crayon. We'll read together verses 7, 8, 9, 10 aloud. Fill your homes with scripture being read aloud. See if you can underline and highlight. Just see if you can see the, 
nearly said. See if you can see all the stuff to do. So, James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves and therefore, sorry, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That, that's a list, isn't it? That, that's a task. There's double digits there of things for you to do because your heart is sinful, just like mine. So we're going to walk through this passage a little bit quite quickly. So then in verse 7, because of this, because of the problem of your heart, the solution of your grace, submit yourself to God. That's something to do. I'll give you that one for free. Uh, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Action. Next thing then, resist the devil and he will flee. Notice with me, notice with me right now, this doesn't say get somebody else to come into your life and resist him for you. It doesn't call for another person to come and do this. It says you you, believer, you who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, call on it again to resist the world, the flesh, and here, the devil. It doesn't need a third party to, to be in your life. You who have called on the name of the Lord to be saved, call on it again. Use that name which the devil flees from. The name that has already triumphed over him on the cross and demonstrated his quality to him in that time of testing in the wilderness call on the name of jesus resist the devil the other side of this is to stop giving him the credit resist the devil that way stop every time your internet drops you don't need to declare war on the devil okay you don't every time your internet connection drops you don't need to strap on your spiritual warfare armor and go marching after the devil you just you just don't need to do that Every time you think there's one more tea bag left in the box and you go to make a cup of tea and there's no tea bag there, you don't need to scream out in a loud voice, not today, Satan. Resist him by just stop. Stop giving him the credit for life's little ups and downs and, and peculiarities. Resist him part, in part by not having him be a part of your daily conversation. Stop talking about him. You know, your toothpaste running out is not spiritual warfare. You don't need to chalk that one up to the devil getting one over on you. Your toothpaste, come on. Resist him by stopping talking about him. He, he's real, no doubt. It's here, resist him. We see it in Peter, don't we? You know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, like a, a prowling lion looking for somebody to pick off. And that's when we resist him with the name of the Lord Jesus. But you know, life's little peculiarities and life's little ups and downs, just stop, stop it. You don't need to declare war on him every day when you drop something, you know? So resist him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Read with me again verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He says, will. It doesn't say, look, draw near to God, and he might think about it. He'll consider you and see if you're good enough. Enjoy your status as a New Testament, New Covenant, fully born-again regenerate believer. 
and draw near to God. What was Moses told? Cast your mind back. We'll throw it back to the Old Testament. What was Moses told in Exodus 3? Whoa. That's enough. Don't get too close. Take off your shoes. Because this ground is holy. Even though, Moses, you were the most humble person that ever lived, as we read in Numbers chapter 12, even though Moses was the humblest person that ever lived, he was still told, hey, not too close. This ground is holy. But what do you and me read right here? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Moses was told, don't get too close. This ground is holy. And remember, when Jesus died on that cross, the curtain in the temple that signified the presence of God being veiled from his people was torn open from top to bottom and now you and me are a kingdom of priests that doesn't mean we've all got the role of a priest it means we've all got the access of a priest come draw near that holy ground between you and god has been bridged by the shed blood of jesus for you so draw near we'll draw near to you cleanse yourself from sin we actually need to do this to be able to draw near to him. How do we do this? How are we cleansed? How are we purified? We're going to leave that one hanging for a little while. And uh, verse 9 then, just take this, take this seriously. Verse 9 sounds very Old Testament prophety, doesn't it? You know, look, take a good look at yourself. See who you really are and accept it's not great. It's not great. Look at your old life. And stop looking at it with rose tints. Look at it and stop kind of, oh, man, wasn't that a, a really cool period in my life? Oh, no, I, I wasn't that bad. And I was, I was a pretty fun guy. I was, I was a pretty cool gal. You know, don't, don't look back to your before Christ days with rose tints. James writes, look, be wretched and mourn and weep. Don't laugh. Take it really seriously. Look, look at who you were. And realize how far from God you were. And then again, in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. It's one of those Christian paradoxes. To get up, we go down. To be exalted, we humble ourselves. To be brought high, get low. So there's a big list of to-dos there, isn't there? A big to-do list. It's very much, it's very typical of a passage in James. Ends in verse 10 with this command to, to humble yourself. So did you find all... 10 things there. There are 10 things to do for you and for me there in three verses. 10 things to do that, James, as James says, they contribute to our harmony and holiness. James wants commitment from you. He wants you to be committed. He wants you to be cleansed. And James wants you to be contrite. He, he, you know, he wants you to, to take this seriously and, and, and realize that, yeah, this is, this is for me. I'm not I'm not that great. So did you get all 10 things? Uh, look with me again through that passage. Uh, he calls for us to submit, resist, draw near, cleanse, purify, be wretched, mourn, weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning, so change, let your laughter, you know, change number nine, and 10 is humble yourselves. There's a huge list of stuff to do from James there. So we've said our heart is the problem, grace is the solution. What do I, how does this work? What do we do? Well, the second half of verse 8, you know, um, 
says, uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We actually need to do that in order to, to, to get close, to draw near, don't we? How are we cleansed and how are we purified? Well, we've said this before with James, and no doubt we're going to say it again, but so often he demands from us what we cannot deliver. He demands what we cannot deliver, and that makes us run with all the more urgency to the refuge of the gospel, where Jesus says, look, it's finished. It's done. I've done all this for you. Here, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And because, you know, James, again, again here, James is demanding what we cannot deliver. Because honestly, how many of you can say yes in my own power and strength? Because I want to, me, me, me. I can resist the devil. Yes, I can cleanse my hands from all unrighteousness. I can purify my heart. I can love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength in my own power and in, because I want to. I, I, I can grieve over my sin, and I do so all on my own because I realized that it was sin. How many people can do that? It's, it's none, is it? The word teaches us that none is righteous. No, not one of us. You, me, us. None is righteous. No, not one. But the good news about this is that there was one. There was one who was righteous and is righteous, cleansed his hands, of, never even dirtied his hands with sin in the first place. And he will cleanse yours if you will let him. He'll purify your heart if you let him. Just in a moment, he'll give you a brand new one. Never mind purifying it. He'll give you a new pure one. He'll replace it. He'll empower you with his spirit to love supernaturally. Because loving people in your own power and strength is just not working for you, is it? People are so unlovable. Loving people in your own power and strength is just not working for you, is it? So he'll empower you with his spirit to love supernaturally, love and live abundantly and love sacrificially. It doesn't matter if it's not good for you when you're filled with this spirit. You're going to do it anyway. And you're going to love people as you are made to love people. So back in Ezekiel chapter 36, there's a wonderful prophecy for the nation of Israel. So it's really important that we don't just take it and apply it to us and make ourselves into the nation of Israel in our minds and hearts. See? see, see, the heart is so easy to, and so quick to lie to us, and it's easy to latch onto things that makes us the hero. And so it's important that we, we see that it's a prophecy for the nation of Israel, and we don't just take it and make it fit to us. And it's, 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 it's so easy to do with encouraging statements from the Old Testament. And if you do that, if you are that guy or gal, please stop. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal that reads a very encouraging statement to a particular person or the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and names and claims it for yourself. Just read it really carefully, really, really carefully. We shouldn't just pull stuff out and use it as a general truth for the world. That's very well-intentioned, but it's dangerous. It's wrong, so please don't do it. But what we can do is we can look at the principle of what is being promised and see that, do you know what? 
Now, spiritually, there is no Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So whilst there are specific promises to the nation and about the nation of Israel, in principle, the, the, the spiritual promises they're given, we can look at as being applicable to us. So, all that to say, Ezekiel 36, we read, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out and give you a heart of flesh. That is the spiritual transformation that we all need, isn't it? A new heart, a heart after the heart of God, from the in, changed from the inside out, not working on outer appearances, going, doing, being, saying, being truly born again, a new creation, a new nature that flows from this new heart that we're given, modeled after the heart of the Lord Jesus himself. So, so your heart, what do you need to do with it? Well, it's broken, isn't it? It's broken. It's deceitful. It's going to tell you what you want to hear in order to get what you want, basically, which is all too fleshly and all too human. And it's broken. Your heart is broken because we are, are broken. What we need is restoration. We need fixing. We need a new heart, which is on offer to you if you've put hope and faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation. To his original readers then, what James is saying is, look, take seriously this truth that this new life that you've started, this new path that you're walking, take seriously this truth that it's a deeper commitment. It's not just rules, regulations, and rituals. It's a deeper thing. Because you're broken on the inside and the outside stuff, so it's not, it's, it's not going to do it for you. How do you get from there to here, from them to us? We should take a serious look at the condition of our heart and be honest. Be straight up, be honest about it, about the condition of your heart. Know through the explicit teachings of the word that your heart is the problem. What do you do with it? You, you, you give it, submit it, you give it to Jesus. You pray, Lord, take this sinful, deceitful heart of stone and give me a loving and living heart after your own, Lord. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Take out the old, fill us with your spirit, Jesus. Fill us with, your, with the Holy Spirit. It'd be so easy, wouldn't it, to look at passages like this in James and say something like, you need to work hard to fix the problem of your heart. What we should do really is look at this through a Jesus lens and say that, what you know what, you are broken. You never will fix the problems of your heart, but give it to Jesus and see what he can do with it. So if you've never prayed a prayer like that, I'm going to invite you to pray along with us now. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, the teachings of your word, Lord, both uh, really clear and explicit and the, and the principles therein. And uh, Lord, we do. We come before you this morning humble and contrite. And uh, Lord, 
we freely and willingly admit uh, that our heart is the problem. And Lord, if there are those among us who feel that their heart's not the problem, Lord, would you convict them today? Would you convict them right now that, do you know what? This is for everybody. And it is a problem for everybody. And yes, our hearts are broken. They're sinful. They're human. They're very fleshly. Because we are all of those things, Lord. So we humbly and, and, and contritely come before you and say, yes, we know that this is the bad news about ourselves, Lord. We know that in our own strength and power, we're not going to love and live how you want us to. But Lord, we do want help with this, Lord. We, we, we desperately want the solution of your grace in our lives, Lord. We want to be cleansed of all our unrighteousness, Lord. We want our old, sinful heart of stone to be taken away, Lord. We want to be fully born again, regenerate believers in the Lord Jesus, Lord, who are given a heart after his own heart. We want to be people after your heart, Lord. We want to live and love and serve and give and all those things that you call us to do. We want to do that with a right and proper attitude, Lord, and right and proper perspective that comes from the heart that you will give us, Lord, when we submit ourselves to Jesus. So, Lord, we just pray that if there's anybody who's, who's, who's with us now that has, has never prayed like this, Lord, who's never said, Jesus, please take my old, sinful, fleshly self, Lord, cleanse me with your shed blood on that cross. I believe that you died for me on that cross and that by faith in what you did, that I can be cleansed, that I can be seen as righteous, Lord. We just pray that if there's anybody joining us uh, who has never prayed like this, Lord, never admitted this truth about themselves, Lord, that, uh, that today is the day, right now, Lord, that they will be able to look back and say, you know what, I was saved out of a pandemic. I realized that I was not that great, but that Jesus is, Lord, and that's when I was saved. That's when I gave my life to Jesus. That's when I asked him to put a new heart inside me. We do thank you, Lord, for this technology that allows us to be together, and uh, we thank you for the truth of your word. Would you continue uh, to minister them to us uh, throughout the day, throughout the week, Lord, until we gather again? And uh, We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.